Welcome to the Cosmic Savannah with Dr. Jacinta Delhais and Dr. Daniel Kanema. Each episode, we will be giving you a behind-the-scenes look at world-class astronomy and astrophysics happening under African skies. Let us introduce you to the people involved, the technology we use, the exciting work we do, and the fascinating discoveries we make. Sit back and relax as we take you on a safari through the skies. Hello and welcome to episode 30. Episode 30. Yay. Wow, happy. It's a happy milestone. Happy kind of birthday. Happy 30th. No, 30th. Yeah, 30th episode. <laughs> Can't really call it a birthday. No, season three, episode 30. Oh, that's nice. Sure. Okay, 30. Well, we're both in our 30s. Yes. Hubble's 30 years old. Hubble is 30 We're talking years about old. Hubble. Yeah. yeah. Well, just a little bit. Talking yeah. about planetary nebula. Hubble takes nice photos. Mm-hmm. So it was, I guess it was launched back in 1990 then. Yeah. Do you remember that year, Dan? I do remember that year. Do you? No, I'm feeling old. It's my birthday <laughs> next week. Happy birthday to me. Oh, happy birthday for you. It's my birthday in two days. Actually. Well, actually. It'll be my birthday after You'll have this already had your birthday when And I'll be out. 36. Ooh. And I don't remember I shouldn't be telling people my age. <laughs> right. Back to the episode. Before we get into the episode, what have you been up to this week, Dan? I put in a proposal for another planetarium film. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. Oh. I, I put a funding proposal in for another planetarium film. And this time, inspired by episode 28 a couple of weeks ago, the proposal for this one is African Star Law. Finished. Oh, cool. 24-minute film on African Star Law. Multicultural, multilingual. It's going to be huge. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah let, let's hope they give me the money. Yes. Money is hard to come by right yeah, now. What have you been up to? I've been attending the 2020 Soreo Bursary Conference, and Soreo is the South African Radio Astronomical Observatory. This happens every year, and you've probably heard several of our episodes in the past where we've interviewed other people who are attending those. So this year, of course, it's it's virtual, it's online, just as the SAAO recent conference was online, and it's actually working pretty well. This year, we have all pre-recorded quick 90-second talks, which get played in succession. And then there's a question and answer session where people can ask us questions live and we are online to answer them. And then we we meet in in this thing called Gather Town, which I hadn't heard of before. But you're kind of like in a video game, and you're like a you've got your little avatar of yourself, and you you walk around the spaces of this online conference venue, and you you meet other people there, and you can talk to each other because it turns your videos on and your sound on, and you talk to each other, and it's working surprisingly well. I really feel like I'm walking around and seeing these people who are on opposite sides of the world at the moment. That is weird. Yeah, so really well done to the organisers. Wow, Shout out that to is them. working out. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't beat real life, but this is what we have to do at the moment, so it's working nicely. So. 90 second talks, though. Yeah, uh, that's that's very quick, but at least everyone's getting a shot to, to talk. So it, this is mainly for the postgraduate students and the postdocs who are being supported by Soreo. And we meet every year and when we're hearing all about the amazing discoveries and detections that Meerkat has been making this year. So I think this was maybe the first time ever that we've had a particular session, which was this morning, dedicated just to new Meerkat results. So yeah, it's the first year that they're all just churning out and every like so many people have made so many different discoveries and, and it's really exciting. And every year is going to need an extra session. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're after. 
Okay, so let's get back onto this episode's topic. <laughs> so today we will be discussing. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing planetary nebula, which are the endpoint of stars that are not particularly massive. So stars that are similar to the sun, or maybe around two solar masses, meaning two times the mass of the sun. These stars they don't die in these big dramatic supernova explosions, which we often talk about. Rather, they kind of fade away. So they they start burning different elements other than hydrogen, and then they release their outer layers, which just kind of float off into space. And they are kind of lit up by the central remaining star or white dwarf, I suppose, and they create some beautiful colours that we've seen in pictures, particularly from Hubble. Yeah, so there's these sort of cloudy shapes uh, around the central star, which are in numerous different colours once they've been tinted. And yeah, I think the the shapes are incredible. They're, they're definitely some of the the most eye catching images that come out of Hubble. Yeah, so who are we speaking with today about these planetary nebula? So today we're joined by an MSc student. She's just finishing her MSc project at the University of Cape Town, and her name is Kelebochile Bonakwane, and she is from Kimberley in the Northern Cape originally, where our telescopes are. Uh, not in Kimberley itself, but in the Northern Cape, and she'll be talking to us about her project and some of the telescopes she's been working on. Just a couple of things to mention first. Sometimes she calls planetary nebula PN for short. We also have a little discussion about spectrometry and photometry. So Dan, what's the difference between those two? Photometry is basically collecting little photons of light and measuring how bright they are. And spectrometry is collecting little photons of light and measuring their sort of frequency or wavelength. Well, wavelength, yeah. So you can split them up into their constituent frequencies and you know look at the look at the colors um, and frequencies and you can tell completely different things other than just the brightness you can hear some wind in the background there <laughs> it's cape town yeah it's summer it's very windy in cape town in summer right so that's the difference between spectrometry and photometry uh and i think that's all we need to know yeah so let's hear from hella bogile Today we're joined by Kelebochile Bonokwane. Hello, Kelebochile. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome to the Cosmic Savannah. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, can you tell us first just a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what your role is? I am Kelebochile Virginia Stephanie Bonokwane. My mother gave me many long names. <laughs> <laughs> so I am from Kimberley in the Northern Cape. I grew up in sort of a gassy township of Hadeshiwe. And right now, I'm a bit of a student in transit between master's and PhD in astrophysics, specifically stellar astrophysics. Where are you based? I am at the UCT and SAO. So, so split between the, the South African Astronomical Observatory here with me and at the University of Cape Town. With me! <laughs> um, yes. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit, how did you get into astronomy? Um, where did you study your undergrad? Yeah, what got you interested in the first place? So I remember very particularly, I think I was in grade four and we were learning about the telescope and Galileo Galilei and I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I sort of had this astronomy thing in my head ever since. And although I went to a technical school, so we did the electrical, civil, and mechanical technologies. I was like, okay, maybe I might become an engineer. 
but I decided to just pursue astronomy instead. It's what I found interesting. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be a scientist. And so that's when I came to Cape Town from Kimberley. So I've been at UCT since undergrad and I did physics as well as astrophysics majors in undergrad. And I decided to just stick to and pursue astronomy. It's what I found interesting. It's what I liked. And I wanted to be, be at a point later in my career where I was doing research and I was doing something that I really liked and enjoyed. And so I am here now, sort of in my postgrad, continuing with astronomy. That's awesome. So what do you study? What's, what's your research been about so far? So it's been planetary nebulae since honours, since my honours project, and I sort of continued with that into my master's project. Can you just explain for the listeners uh, what is a planetary nebula? Because it's not what you think it is, right? <laughs> Similar to people, stars evolve over a lifetime. They born and they die. And so the planetary nebulae is sort of where a star evolves towards the end of its lifetime. And what happens is in a star is that you have this constant continuous nuclear uh, reactions happening and you have these elements formed, hydrogen, helium, the first few elements on the periodic table. So what then happens when a star becomes a planetary nebula is that there's been so much gravity on the star itself that the temperature rises enough to sort of drive off the surface material of the star. And so it, it does this through very strong winds. And so you have this expanded material of gas driven off the surface of the star. And then this hot core at the center sort of heats up this material. And that's what you see as this glowing nebula. So that whole system is what you have as the planetary nebula the core at the center and this glowing nebula around it. And they have um, nothing to do with, with planets. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you know why it was named that way? I'm not sure. I, I do, actually. Oh, you uh, do? Tell us then. I, I do. Uh, so, I mean, it was the, the early astronomers, maybe 200 years ago. I think it might have been William Herschel even. And they were looking at these objects or seeing them through small telescopes. And they, they looked more planet-like than star-like because they had this extra sort of shape and color. And they're beautiful objects, planetary nebula. We'll, we'll post some, mm. some pictures on, our, on our, the website. But, you know, Hubble has taken some incredible photos of, of planetary nebula. And, yeah, so I think that, that, was, that was why they were called planetary nebula at first. So and it was thought that they were from planets? It was thought that they were planets. Oh. Like cloudy planets or, or sort of something going around around planet. But now we know that they, as you said, they're the end point of a star's life and, and have nothing to do with planets. In fact, if there was a planet there, then that probably wouldn't end very well for them. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, they, what do they actually look like, um, Caleb? Maybe you can tell us a bit more about the weird and wonderful shapes that they form. Most planetary nebulae are just spherical in, in structure or shape. But others have these sort of bipolar lobes and jets or these disks around the system. Yeah, that's that's sort of what the ones look like that I've been studying. The sort of more interesting looking ones, the ones that have these interesting shapes and morphologies. And do you know why they have such strange shapes and morphologies? Well, that's sort of what we are trying to figure out. Uh, 
So it's been in the literature, it's been speculated that it's due to the stellar rotation. And also others say the magnetic field of the object can influence it. But those two scenarios don't really support or would be able to sustain that kind of shaping. And so what's been seen more recently is that there have been binary stars sort of discovered in these in these kinds of planetary nebulae. And so that's what sort of the basis of my research was trying to find binary central stars in this interesting PN. Are there two stars within the planetary nebula itself? Or is the planetary nebula around the one star and the other star is further off? Well, what you can have is the common envelope of the two stars. So both stars would reside inside of the common envelope and then the envelope can expand into the nebula and then sort of influence the shape like that. So that's sort of, that's kind of what most simulations have modeled how binaries can influence the shape of the planetary nebula. Okay, so there's two stars in the very center and then the planetary nebula is very big and around both of them. Yes. Okay. All right. Have you been looking into this problem with any particular uh, planetary nebula? Yes, for my master's research, I looked at three objects, HEN3, 1333, HEN2113, and HEN247. HEN247 247 is the classically known um, starfish nebula. It looks like a starfish. I looked at those because they were very interesting looking. They were all sort of multipolar in shape. So you had that interesting morphology, but also they had these extra features um, that added to how interesting they were and how they sort of screamed that they must be binary central stars. And that's why um, I chose those objects. Those are the three that I looked at recently. And how are you observing them? Uh, Which telescopes are you using? I used the South African Large Telescope, SALT, and I also used the TESS telescope, the Exoplanet Survey Satellite, which is a space-based telescope. Uh, The reason why I did that is because I wanted to do a very quantitative study. So I got spectroscopic data and also photometric data, sort of cover all bases. What kind of light does TESS collect? Is it optical light? Yes. And it's just collecting photometric data, so just brightnesses of stars, right? But it does that very regularly. Mm, Uh, Very. How regularly does it do it? The data I had, it was taken at a 30-minute cadence. Oh. And it does this continuously for about 27 and a half days. That's amazing. So this satellite telescope is looking at the exoplanet every 30 minutes. Is that right? So it's looking at a field of the sky, actually. So it's looking at quite a large field of sky, and it looks at it for 27 days consecutively, taking an image every 30 minutes. Wow. So you're looking at thousands of stars. So you you, you didn't use TESS uh, specifically. You You didn't ask TESS to point for you. You're just using TESS data, which they've released to you? From the archive. Yes. And what did you find? What did you see? Unfortunately, we had a non detection in terms of finding the binary. But what we were able to do from our results is constrain the orbital period parameter. And this is assuming that the features that we see, the shapes that we see is because of a binary system. You were looking for a binary. You're trying to figure out whether these shapes, weird shapes were caused by binary stars at the, at the center. You mentioned an orbital parameter. 
So you're trying to find the amount of time it takes for the star to rotate around the other star. Yes. And right. if you prove that it does exist. Then you found a binary, right? Yes. So with the test data, you, you're looking at the brightness of a star, or in this case, the star at the center of a planetary nebula, and you're looking for a change in its brightness, which will indicate that there's another star there. Do those two stars have to be eclipsing? I mean, does it have to be an eclipsing binary where the one passes behind the other in order for you to detect a dip in light? It doesn't necessarily have to be eclipsing, but you can tell from from the sort of variation in the light curve that you make from the photometric data if there is a signal detectable from that. Okay. Okay, so there could be some pattern in the light curve, even if it's not eclipsing. Do you also look at the velocities of the stars, like whether they're, they're actually wobbling? Yes, so that, that was done with the spectroscopic data from SALT. Oh, so right. I, I made radial velocity curves, and I had the light curves also to work from. Okay, so you're looking at the variation in the light and whether the star is moving to figure out whether there's a binary or not. Yes, so, so with SALT, you've got a very high-resolution spectrograph, very high-resolution spectrum. And from those lines, by looking at it at different times, presumably also fairly regularly, you, you can see whether the star is moving towards or away from us, correct? Yes. And how regularly were you, were you doing that with SALT? How much data did you take from SALT? It wasn't an even sample, but the spectra that we had was taken over about 300 days. And so for the different objects, there was about 60, 58, and 35 amount of observations. They were taken about 10 days between each observation. A little incoherent. So it was a bit of an okay. uneven sample. So hard to find a, a sort of an easy period or pattern. Yes, were there any maybe slight hints of a binary? There was for the Starfish Nebula. There was this period that sort of stood out. It was 14 and a half days. What we do when we find a signal is that we try to phase up the light curve using that signal. Okay, so you've got of the three planetary nebula you looked at to find binaries, you've got no, no, maybe. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> is, I mean, is the plan to carry on? Have you got plans to collect more data and, and try and clarify some of these things? Well, because our results were saying no short periods, which is less than 10 days, we're assuming that they have very long orbital periods. And so we just need a little more data or a lot more data, <laughs> depending on how much, because we're estimating, because we have about three years of observations. We're assuming that the orbital period should be at least around thousands of days. So we need a lot more observations and monitoring with SALT to sort of pin down if there is something. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily, your results don't necessarily mean that there isn't a binary. The orbit of the stars around each other could be on a, on a much longer timescale than you've already had a chance to look at. Yes. And that wouldn't and that wouldn't be that long if it's a thousand days, it's two and a half years or something. That's a slightly bigger orbit than the Earth. Mm -hmm. But but not not massive when you're look looking at two different stars. How big are these planetary nebula? Like on the scale of the solar system? They're very big. I guess if the sun were to go into its planetary nebula phase, 
it might absorb Jupiter, I think. Oh, okay. cool. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then there won't be Earth by then. No. What would happen to the Earth? <laughs> Vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> Vaporized. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be already eaten up when the star becomes a red giant, right? Mm. Yes. Is the sun is the sun expected to go into a planetary nebula phase? What are the what are the requirements for a star to to go into this phase? Well, so planetary nebulae progenitors, which are like the first stages of the star, are similar to to the sun. So they have similar masses, which is two solar masses. So you would expect the sun to sort of follow the same evolution as a regular planetary nebula. So you would, you would expect it to go into a planetary okay. nebulae phase. Yeah, so first it expands into this big red giant, and then that will kind of dissipate into a planetary nebula phase. Oh, it's not a bad way to go. <laughs> and do you know why they make all of these beautiful colors? So it's the elements often, and then sometimes also the, the part of the spectrum it's observed in. But for PN, from what I can tell, it's mostly the elements. So you have oxygen, nitrogen, and sulfur, I think, making the blue, green, and red that you see. And those colors are sort of composites made. And then that's how you see these different colors or uh-huh. what, what, what you would have perceived the PN to look like. So do you think you would see those colors if you looked at it with your eyes or are these sort of false color images meant to represent the emission of different chemicals or elements inside the planetary nebula? It would be because of that, um, okay. false colors. Yeah, we spoke to Jayan English on a, a few episodes ago and she was actually one of the people at NASA who was making these the image composites. And from um, Hubble too. So From she, Hubble, yeah. She so presumably did play with some of the may- planetary Yeah, nebula. maybe even some of these planetary nebula. What are your plans for the future? Well, for now, I think I can only tell you about three or four years into the future. Well, that's, that's pretty a lot. far. That's <laughs> more than I could say. I am starting my PhD next year, early next year. And that's sort of going into a bit of a new field in X-ray binaries. Mm. Working with X-ray and radio data, which is something very, very new for me. But it's an exciting challenge, I guess. But it's still sort of sticking with stellar and binaries, sort of the theme that I have going on. And where will you be doing that? I will be at the SAO. Oh, cool. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay, great. So I think we're, we're nearly at the end now. Do you have any final messages for listeners? Well, if they're already listening and watching to this, they're already doing something good. But a message for them, I'd say, continue to listen and watch, learn about the science and whatever interests you in the field. And also sort of just continue to expose yourself to the different people that come here and sort of tell you the paths they've taken to get to where they are. It it can be something inspiring for you as an individual, um, regardless of whatever you are doing. And just continue to take care of yourself, stay safe with these times that we are in and, and be kind. That's fantastic. Is that the advice you'd give yourself if you could go back in time uh, and see little you <laughs> when you were in grade four and interested in astronomy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. Thank you. And thank you for your inspiration. It's great to appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us and we hope to speak to you again soon. It was nice being here. 
Okay, so interesting to know that these pictures of the planetary nebula, which have fascinated me since I was also very young, are false color images. Yeah, so we've discussed this previously, as we mentioned, episode 17, mm-hmm. if you want to go back and listen, and we chat to somebody who does exactly that. So it's more than just making up some false colors to make it look pretty. Uh, it's not just sticking it into Photoshop and making it look nice. They actually try and hold on to the science. So, you know, adjust the image according to its frequencies and then use the, the different colors to represent those frequencies. So you actually, to use quite a big word, elucidate you you shed light on what what exactly is going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, great to chat to Kele Bukhile too. It's it's really cool to hear stories of, you know, people uh, who grew up in South Africa mm-hmm. getting interested in astronomy at a young age and then having the opportunity to study it and become an astronomer. It's really special and, and wonderful to see. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, it was really awesome to talk to Kele Bukhile. Yeah, and we'll uh, let you get back to your bursary conference. Some exciting science, I'm sure, coming out, and Definitely. hopefully we can we can earmark some people to mm-hmm. interview, uh, including yourself. And I keep trying to get you to talk about your new paper. <laughs> it's not accepted yet, but as soon as it is, yeah, okay, soon, soon, soon. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the the guest on one of the episodes. And do let us know if there's anything else exciting coming out of the conference. Oh, there is. I've already written a whole list of people that we need to interview on what their topics were. So, ah, excellent. Yeah. And I'll let you get back to your funding proposals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just holding thumbs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for those not in South Africa, means crossing fingers. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the very South African I always forget that that's phrase. a South African yeah. thing. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for today. So thanks very much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of The Cosmic Savannah. You can visit our website, thecosmicsavannah.com, where we'll have the transcript, links, and other stuff related to today's episode. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Cosmic Savannah. That's Savannah spelt S-A-V-A-N-N-A-H. Special thanks today to Kelebochile Bonokwane for speaking with us. Thanks to our social media manager, Sumari Hatting, and all the Cosmic Savannah volunteers. Also to Mark Allnut for the music production, Janis Brink and Mihao Wercek for photography, and Lana Saraya for graphic design. We gratefully acknowledge support from the South African National Research Foundation, the South African Astronomical Observatory, and the University of Cape Town Astronomy Department to help keep the podcast running. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you'd like to help us out, please rate and review us and recommend us to a friend. We'll speak to you next time on The Cosmic Savannah. Uh, and we also have a little discussion about photometry and spectrometry. Oh. <laughs> you want to leave that in there? <laughs> no. That can be for the bloopers. Um. And that's it for today. Thanks very much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode. Why is that one first? Because that's always first. Is it? It feels like it should be last. No, we have it again at the end. Oh. We'll speak to you next time on the Cosmic Spanner. Okay. <laughs> Don't question the method now. We're three seasons in. <laughs> This makes sense. Like it seems so final. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? What's TikTok? Should we join TikTok? Oh, I don't know. Dan. I don't know what. I don't know. I'm 36 now. <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I'm a bit younger than you. Not far. <laughs>